Hey, it's Heidi Dawson, and this is Wednesday Wisdom, where I interview wildly successful people from across the world, where we get an inside view into what their daily life looks like. Success leaves clues, and on Wednesdays, we're finding them. Join me now for the latest wildly successful interview. Hi guys, welcome to episode 114 of the Wildly Successful Lifestyle Podcast. So my guest this week is, she's just so calming and interesting and passionate. Dr. Diane Haspel-Johnson is not only super intelligent, she's just simply lovely as well. And if sleep is elusive for you or anxiety is a problem, you're going to want to listen to this episode because sleep has actually become her particular area of expertise. She has a PhD in psychology and spent eight years as as vice president of the Continuing Education for the Southern California Society for Clinical Hypnosis. Um, She's also become the president of that organization. Now, she co-taught a year-long clinical hypnosis seminar at the UCLA's Department of Psychiatry. And I could spend the entire hour on her accomplishments, but you came to hear the good stuff. And that's how is this going to help you, right? So if you're struggling with sleep, anxiety, and many other problems, then listen in because you just may learn how to fix them on your own through some of the things that she's created. Remember, if you love something about this episode, share it and tag me and Dr. Diane with your comments. You can also copy and text it to a friend. You never know whose life you're going to change. And don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get this show on the road with Dr. Diane. Hi, Dr. Diane. It is so nice to meet you. It's wonderful to be here with you, Heidi. I feel like we've been chatting over email for a while. So it's it's so nice to see your beautiful face. And we're both in kind of a similar situation. You're in Texas and I'm in Tennessee and we have snow. <laughs> <laughs> it's so banana pants. <laughs> yeah, it is extremely banana pants. We, we are just, I just sit here and I'm staring out the window at this beautiful, today we have sunshine. And I mean, the snow is glistening. I've never seen anything like it. I feel like I'm in Montana somewhere. Well, it's, it's amazing and it's so beautiful and it's kind of a shock to my system because I just moved to um, Austin two and a half weeks ago from sunny Southern California (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, what? (laughs) That's a huge shock because what is it in California right now? Like 72 or something? Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) That's all right. I'm a Chicago girl originally, so I can have So that. so am I. I'm from my family. My mom and dad both grew up in Chicago. So, oh, yeah, but I they it. moved here when I was two. So I'm a true Southern girl. But yeah. <laughs> so what part so what how did you get from Chicago to California? Um, I moved from Chicago to California when I was pretty young. And okay. um, and then I actually commuted. Or my during my childhood because my mom was in California and my dad was in Chicago so I actually commuted every month oh my gosh so you truly have both I mean you're yeah 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 wow. the, it, the great advantage to that actually is that this whole situation um, of the of you know 2020 and into 2021 and having these kinds of um uh, shifts of socially and being away from people and all that, I, I kind of got used to that at a young age. And so I have found ways throughout my life to stay really connected to people despite distance, which has made it, I think it's making the transition for me to, to do exclusively telehealth, which I've been wow. doing, you know, for, you know, since March of 2020, but now, but it allowed me to be able to move to Austin and, um, continue with my clients because I, I'm so used to doing that. I've done that my whole life and I'm so close to my family and friends and whatever else. And so it's so comfortable for you. So let's, um, let's talk about, I, I wanted for, for the listeners, let's tell them like if I was, if somebody came up to you and said, Hey, what do you do? Who are you? Tell, <laughs> tell everyone exactly what you do because it's just so interesting. That's such a great question. I feel like that's such a deep question and it sounds so simple you know um I guess when I when I was about 10 years old this is the kind of child I was my mother and I were talking and she asked me what I wanted to do and I said when I grow up I want to help people make the unconscious conscious 
Wow. At 10. <laughs> like 10. That was what I, I don't thought. even think I knew the word unconscious at 10. <laughs> well, to be fair, my mother's a psychologist. So I okay. did know something about, about the unconscious, but, um, but I don't know what, what made me say that, but I think that that is, I mean, I think that's what I do because I'm a psychologist and hypnotherapist and um, trauma specialist and a somatic experiencing practitioner. And so, so much of what I do is helping people to do exactly that, to take the things that are under the surface and gain insight and feel empowered by those things. And ultimately, whether it's, you know, unconscious, like what's in a dream or the motivation of symptoms, for example, you know, when people, I, I think it's really interesting why people, when they are um, insomniacs or have disturbed sleep, it's, that's interesting because they're also really tired. So how interesting is it to be really tired, but not be able to rest? So those are the kinds of things that I tend to think about and sort of like, what's the sole purpose of either a symptom or a person or a goal? And how can I help facilitate them getting from that sole purpose to manifest in the world in a way that's kind of, that feels really integrated and feels cohesive? You know, sleep, it's so interesting. I oftentimes, like I'll change the questions up really just because I don't want to ask the same ones all the time, <laughs> but I do love some of the questions. And one of the questions I ask a lot is how long someone or how much they sleep. And, mm -hmm. you know, because I find that to be very, very important. I'm one of those people that I had the sleep doctor on. Um, I, I interviewed him and this, it was fascinating to me, but I had a, I wake up every morning and I count literally how many hours I slept. Oh, I do you? Yeah. I don't know why I do that. And, but it, it's comforting to me when I know that I got eight hours of sleep because mm -hmm. I know I'm going to have a good day. Mm -hmm. You know, if I have, if I get less than seven, I will have to make that up. Um, and I, when I talk to so many people, a lot of people have trouble sleeping. Yeah. You know? And so I don't, I just, it's fascinating to me how we need so much sleep, but it is so sometimes elusive. Yeah. You know, I, I, if sleep is my expertise and it's kind of my passion because I was one of those people who had really, really severe sleep problems throughout my life. I mean, I remember being a really young child and waking up in the middle of the night and having trouble going back to sleep or lying awake in bed and feeling tired, but not being able to sleep. My mind just really wouldn't shut down. I think a lot of people feel that right. particularly as we get busier and we have more demands on us and devices and these kinds of things. And um, it, it really, it was really a struggle. I mean, I, I just kept getting worse and I had a lot of chronic illness. And then when I was uh, 25, 26, I discovered hypnosis while I was in graduate school. And that completely changed my sleep, changed my life. And, you know, it's like, I, I became focused on working with patients teaching themselves hypnosis for sleep. So this is something that I'm really passionate about. Wow. Okay. So, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about hypnosis because that was one of the things I noticed on your website when I was researching that you, you know, you're pretty passionate about that as well. So yes. um, can we talk like, what is it? And can we kind of dispel? Cause I know a lot of people think I grew up where it's like, Oh, you know, don't even think about that because it was something that was so foreign and scary. Can we talk about it in a way that it makes it less that for people? Yes, absolutely. I'm so happy to do that. I think a lot of people have a really um, kind of a skewed view of what hypnosis is and how it can be used because of seeing stage hypnotists, you know, right. like entertainment or movies or, you yes. know, portray it in ways that sometimes have just enough truth to it, but are kind of skewed just enough, you know, for their own purposes to tell a story, to entertain. entertain. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's a shame because it's really not this kind of like woo woo thing. It's, it's, I'll I'll just tell you what my kind of experience was starting out when I was in graduate school. So I had really severe health issues, chronic infections. Um, I've had fibromyalgia my whole life. So I chronic pain. I had really, really terrible sleep. 
And I could not get to the other side of it. And then when I was in, in grad school, I had this professor who, I, who was an expert in hypnosis and I asked him to teach me hypnosis. And I didn't realize at the time that it's a measurable thing. You know, so like in, you know, in science and in research, when people can measure something and it's stable, they can do a test okay. and look at it. And that test is an accurate test, meaning it goes in like a bell curve. Some people probably have heard of that. Yeah. Um, meaning that there's a, there's a certain percentage of the population who's going to be right at the middle. And then there's a certain percentage that's going to be, you know, have more of that experience or less of that experience. But it but comes to hypnosis. Any, anything that we want to measure. Okay. Okay. In, gotcha. In, in research. Yeah. And, and that is true of hypnosis, which you wouldn't think. You wouldn't think like, you know, there's the, um, two main scales that are used actually to measure hypnotizability, the Stanford scale and the Harvard scale. And, and you can do them to like a, the Harvard scale to a room full of people. And okay. what's amazing about it, Heidi, is, is like, I could hypnotize you today. Yeah. And you would have objectively the same or virtually the same experience now as in 25 years from now. So in other oh. words, I could tell you under hypnosis, for example, that, you know, your arm was floating up into the air. And I know it sounds crazy, but it would float up into float the air in all likelihood. And then 25 years from now, you'd have that same experience. You might feel differently about it, but it, it would be for the for a viewer watching you, if your arm floated up today, it would float up in 25 years. That that it's stable. So what you're saying is that like that's like a genetic thing. Your brain, the way it works, is yeah. It's you either can be hypnotized or you can't be hypnotized. Is that well, well? That's kind of what is implied by these tests. I mean, that's exactly what is implied by these tests. And so when I learned hypnosis, and my professor did the Harvard scale to me, and I had an experience. And I was like, wow, I feel really normal. I feel relaxed. I'm listening to him. It's not like I'm not thinking for myself, but you know, I had something happen where it was like my arm was levitating. Okay. It was like floating up. And I was like, wow, this is this does not feel at all the same as if I were to just lift my arm up normally. It mm -hmm. felt like there was almost like a balloon attached lifting up my arm, for example. And I was like, wow, this is so strange. And, and then I thought, how many times in my life have I thought these are the way things are? Because of course, nothing would be making your arm float up, but other than your perception, other than the words that somebody is saying. And that's a really amazing and profound thing to realize, right? Which is, is that where you put your attention can have a physical impact on you. So, so true. Yeah. And then I was like, wow, this is really empowering. I, I remember thinking like, well, if this is true, if this is really can be applied to other things, maybe this could be the thing that changes my health. Wow. Because I was like, well, if, if, for example, you can under hypnosis, perceive, focus your attention on the lightness in your arm, and then you feel normal, but your arm starts floating up if you focus in a certain way, then why couldn't you focus in a certain way about sleeping better or changing all kinds of health issues? And so since I had a lot of health issues and I knew a lot about my health issues, I, I worked in a medical practice and I knew a lot about that and I was getting a, um, a PhD in health psychology. I was like, well, I'm gonna get trained in hypnosis and I started doing self-hypnosis the next day and it changed everything. I mean, absolutely changed everything. My infections dramatically decreased. My allergies dramatically decreased. My blood tests were different. My pain was different. My sleep was different. And so that was what set me on this journey. Let me ask you something um, along that note, just for, for ease of people listening so that they can kind of get it. I was listening to or reading somewhere and it talked about how when you say your body has your thoughts have an actual effect on your physical body. So like, for example, um, if you think about food, you might salivate. Yeah. If you think, so that's the kind of thing where, or if you get even near 
Um, if you've had a reaction to a food, maybe you had food poisoning, if you get smell that food or you, you actually will start sweating. So it's that to me is kind of along the same lines of what you're talking about, your thoughts and the way you were feeling actually have a physical reaction in your body. And you're saying that that is the same thing that can happen during hypnosis. Is that kind of similar? Yeah, it, yeah, it's really similar. And, you know, one thing I know you, um, you do a lot to support people on the show with um, living their best lives and being really successful and meeting their goals and also alleviating, you know, anxiety or stress right. from their lives. And there's this really interesting um, piece of information that you and the listeners, I think, will also find interesting, which is, is that um, when they've done a lot of brain studies, now they've done for decades now brain studies on what happens during hypnosis. Okay. Right? Nobody quite knows why, but there's actually changes in the brain. Well, um, there is an area of the brain that um, when people have pretty severe anxiety and um, particularly obsessive compulsive thoughts, which is a form of anxiety, right. it's a rigid form of anxiety, right? People feel like they have to do a certain thing in a certain way in, or, in order to stay safe or they, it's like a compulsion or an obsession. So there's a certain part of the brain that gets activated when people are engaged in obsessive compulsive you know ruminative thoughts and it's a neural pathway that's quite rigid right interestingly that same area of the brain gets activated during hypnosis but in the exact opposite way so instead of becoming rigid it actually becomes flexible hmm so that is really compelling, I think, because what it really is saying is, is that when people utilize hypnosis, they either go to a practitioner and they do hypnosis or they learn self-hypnosis. So they learn how to put themselves in a hypnotic state. They can actually change their neural pathways hmm. and become more flexible. And I think that that's a big part of of that transitional state right between the unconscious and the conscious hypnosis has a unique ability to do this thing that was my dream when I was like 10 years old right right <laughs> and which was how when I teach people self-hypnosis I really feel like I'm teaching people how to to interface the unconscious and conscious in a really empowered way and they you can change the way that you think Right, which is so difficult. When you say it's neural paths that are um, they're rigid, it's I sometimes I always like to to sort of um, speak it in layman's terms. Does that mean sort of lazy thinking, like you just automatically go to what? Because for hypnosis, to me, you actually have to be aware and change, and it takes a little time to get to change what the way you're thinking. Whereas if it it would be easy just to keep those same thoughts, which is what a lot of people do is you just keep thinking maybe negative thoughts or thought or beliefs that you've had your entire life, but you want to change them, but you don't know how. So hypnosis would kind of help you do that. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would say, I think that that's um, the one thing that I would probably change in that is I think it, instead of it, it being lazy thoughts, I would say it's um, they're entrenched thoughts and they're actually entrenched in the brain. And, you know, I think there's nothing harder than to be doing something that's causing you suffering and to desperately try everything you can think of to change it and to not be able to change it. It's exhausting. I mean, and, and, and you know, if you look at a lot of people who put in a lot of effort to, you know, people don't want to suffer, even with the negative thoughts, right. right? They don't want to beat themselves up. They don't want to tell themselves that they failed. And they engage in that because they can't figure out, no matter how hard they try, how to be successful at that thing, how to overcome that obstacle. A lot of times that obstacle is entrenched because at one time in their lives, it was a good survival strategy. It was a brilliant survival strategy I and mean, it got them to where they are, but they outgrew it. 
And, and there's a part of them that feels like, hey, this was a good survival strategy. I needed to do this. I love that. I love that. It's, it's, I love that you changed it from, from lazy seems a little bit harsh and, you know, kind of judgmental, but entrenched <laughs> means it's there. You, like you said, sometimes as children, we have to do things because it, they're mechanisms of survival, which I think yeah. we all have that, right? We all have things from our childhood that we have brought to our adulthood and yes, we've outgrown them. Um, so then how, how have you helped people through, give us an example of how you've helped someone through hypnosis where you've changed their, I mean, you've changed your own life. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll stick to sleep because it's one of my favorite things to work with. Yeah. So, I love that. So, so, you know, the thing is, is I, th I well, I have, I actually created, uh, online sets that people can download if they're interested where they can actually learn self-hypnosis it has like it actually has videos that teach them and has two videos and it has an ebook and it has seven audios and that way people can really learn about hypnosis and learn why it's so particularly helpful for conditions like sleep and other all kinds of anxiety things like that and I and love that I'm going to put that in the show notes too so let's be sure to make make sure that we we get that in there I'll make sure to put oh that yeah yeah actually there's a um just as a heads up to the listeners there's there's actually a free video and ebook that people can download just by you know going to my website and we could put that in the show notes too and if yeah, they absolutely. do that they will actually, they actually can get a third off the self-hypnosis sets. Nice. So, okay. so and, and the sets are actually like, they, I have actually like a money back guarantee on them. Um, so that I think pe people are interested. No, no, by all means, try it out. Yeah. I mean, just cause to me, it's really about empowering people. I really want people to feel like they can make it their own. And, um, for example, you know, there's a lot of apps out there that are for relaxation and for calm and for sleep. And part of the reason I created this set and part of is that I've, I have felt often frustrated that I think when you want to treat a particular symptom, you need to understand what the, um, the structure of that, that um, symptom is. So by that, I mean sleep happens in a very specific way. The transition between being awake and being asleep happens in a very specific way in the brain and in the body. So people often will kind of um, use that time lying awake and having insomnia to, to get those negative thoughts going, right? That, that is the time <laughs> where those negative thoughts- Perfect timing, right? When you're going to bed and going to sleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, well, one of the things I'm convinced about is, is that it's really not sleep that is the problem. It's that we're not resting okay. in our lives. We're not finding pockets where we can just be. Okay. And, and really sleep insomnia and a lot of sleeping issues are issues of transition. How okay. do you get from being awake to being asleep? Okay. And then when people wake up in the morning and they want to hit the snooze button, they're having, and they're fatigued during the day or they're taking a, an extra cup of coffee or an extra energy drink or an extra, you know, hit of sugar. Really what they're looking for is something to get them from that, that sleepy fatigued state to a state of being alert and awake. So really we have an issue here, which is, you know, the, being tired, being fatigued is a symptom Right. Having insomnia is a symptom. Okay. Yes. Of not, and, and really what we need, I think, is to rest in a very deep way. So again, this is why in 25 plus years, I've been doing self-hypnosis every day, because I think when people figure out a way to resource themselves and gain some mastery of that in-between state, which is tapping into the conscious mind and the unconscious mind, self-hypnosis does there's some forms of meditation that kind of do it but i don't think they have the same um applicability okay to daily life as hypnosis does so it's hypnosis is my favorite but when they do that when they find a way to rest i mean you're you're really gaining mastery of your life force energy 
So you're saying rest during the day? I'm saying eat well at night? Or? Yeah, yes. Okay. I'm saying find ways, I take time, find ways to rest. There are certain times of day that are particularly beneficial to do that. I'm saying like, take even just, if the listeners just even today, take the time in their daily lives, they don't have to even take a full minute to do this. But just when you're in your daily life, take a moment to look up from your computer, look up from your phone, look around, see your environment. Like just let yourself rest in the space. Just okay. be periodically. Notice the space in between an inhale and an exhale and an exhale and an inhale. That's a really special space. It's so interesting to me because when you say that, I think we do that. We don't do that really. We're, we're just kind of going through our day so much that yeah. I read this on your, on your website where you're, you were talking about taking the time to just notice things around you. And so often we don't do that. And yeah. And thinking about doing that actually is interesting and calming. So I, I get it. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like so much of what I've heard on your show is, is you're really highlighting in a way you're, you're not quite framing it in this way, but I feel like it is what you're doing. It's part of why I was so excited to be on the show is, is that you, you talk to people in a way that really kind of, um, it focuses on how people are successful. And I think that a lot of the times the way people are successful, and this is what I've heard on your show is, is they, 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 let themselves rest in the places where they're passionate, where they feel alive. Yes. And yes. so if we just take a little bit of time to do that throughout the day, and it doesn't have to be another thing to put on your to-do list. I mean, the last thing anybody needs is another thing to, to squeeze in to our busy lives. So it's really about creating more space. And again, I think it's about sort of living our lives in a, a way that's sort of higher quality and that utilizes our time better so that we can be more productive when we're doing. So be a little more maybe intentional about your day maybe, and then take periodic rest. And how does that affect our sleep at night? Like if we do that, let's say we accomplish a few moments during the day where we do look around and, and take in what's present and what's immediate how will that affect our sleep at night? How does that help our sleep? That's such a great question. I'm so glad you're asking that because I think it like it really unpacks this concept. And the way that I think that that happens is if you think of it, I sometimes like to explain it to people in terms of something like blood pressure. Okay. So like, you know, you have, a, you start out, you have a a normal level, you know, your blood pressure is at a normal level. And then let's say you're doing things that are super, super stressful and you're running all the time, busy, busy, busy. And then maybe the blood pressure is going to go up, right? That's what it does. It's reacting and it's going to go up. And then you get into bed and it goes back down. You know, things are normal and like, oh, got everything done. goes back down to normal. But let's say the next day, you have a, a whole bunch of stressful things and your blood's pumping and you're rushing through your day. And again, you're elevating your blood pressure, right? And then you get back and, you know, you, end of the day, it goes back down to normal. That's what it's designed to do. Right. But if we keep, if we keep being under pressure all the time and we keep having stress at a certain level all the time, and we don't really rest for long periods of time and we override our body when it's tired and we're like, well, I've just got stuff I've got to do. And I, and this stuff is high pressure and this stuff's really important in our body's like, oh, I feel so tired. It's like, you know, three in the afternoon. I really want that, that, you know, latte. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. But, and it's sweeter than, you know, extra sweet. Yeah. Give me then, I'm going to need that instant spike. Yeah. Then we're overriding our body. And eventually okay. that blood pressure is it, you know, that baseline is no longer going to go back down to normal. It's going to start to elevate okay. because we keep pushing it up and pushing it up and pushing it up. And eventually you now have a new baseline. Wow. So, right. So yeah. if, if during, it's the same with sleep. Okay. Keep pushing it. And you know, when we're tired and 
it's not just, oh, go sit and swipe on your phone for 20 minutes. It's a different, that's a different, yeah, that, that does give you a little break, but it's not really giving you a break internally in the same way. It's not, I mean, one of the reasons that, I, again, and, and I, you know, obviously hypnosis is like my favorite thing, but it's my, my favorite thing because it changed my life and because I've worked in, in with either psychological or medical patients for, you know, so many decades now. And I've seen such amazing things. And it's so quick if you can understand how to rest properly, if you can understand how to straddle that conscious and unconscious, those, those states. That is then, fascinating to me. I want to stop you real quick and yeah. then I want to get back to that. Let's get back to that thought. But you said something which I think is a huge, huge issue. And you oh, know, it's yeah. for me too, uh, is we think we're resting. In fact, I had this conversation with a friend of mine last night. We talked about how sometimes if I get anxious or she gets anxious, we will rest or distract ourselves by aimlessly looking at pictures on Instagram or reading through something on Instagram or just looking at even anything on, or on, on the internet. Yeah. But we're not resting is what you're saying. That is just distraction. It's actually probably keeping our blood pressure high because more than likely it's something that <laughs> isn't, isn't ease. Well, you know, um, when a lot of times, I mean, every hypnosis I've ever done, and I've done thousands of them um, with people and created thousands of self-hypnosis audios for people. And everyone is a little different. Never really do the same thing twice, but there are certain things that I would say are signature things for me that I, I go back to again and again. And, and this is true of the, you know, the online recordings too, for, particularly for sleep. I often think about the way that there is a pattern, a rhythm of things that go out and come back in. So for example, when we exhale, during the time we're exhaling, there's a movement of that breath going from inside to outside in the world. And then before we take in another breath, we pause outside of ourselves for just a split second. I mean, sometimes you can do yogic breathing and pra people practice this and they take a little longer. They do a count where they've, they, they breathe all the way out and, they, and then they do a count and they pause and they wait and then they breathe in and they do another count. You know, there's box breathing and things like that that some of the listeners may um, be familiar with. Mm -hmm. But when we do this, in my mind, when you breathe out into the world and you pause even for a split second, this happens every single breath, you are literally checking in in the outside world. And when you breathe in again, there's another split second pause inside of yourself. See, I could see that you just... You just I'm, I'm practicing that as we're yeah, speaking. But it I'm like, okay, sense. what? how did that feel? How did checking outside of the world feel? Yeah, no, I like yeah, it. I like yeah, it. but then when you pause, when you have this, and this happens every single breath, the breath stops. You're breathing in. You're mm -hmm. just in that movement. You're present in that movement. It's what the body's doing. It's what's designed to do. And you stop for a split second. And in that split second, before you breathe out again and make this miraculous choice, it's a miraculous choice. How do we know? How do we know when we've taken in exactly enough breath? How do we know how much breath to put out into the world? We know. We know in a deep way. And when you pause inside of yourself for that split second, you're checking in with yourself. You're touching in to your center. So uh, the same happens, by the way, with the waves of the ocean. The tide goes all the way out. It pauses, it goes all the way back in, and it touches into the body of the ocean. I use this, these kinds of images oftentimes in the, like in the, like I said, in the recordings for sleep. Why? Because sleep moves in waves. We have REM, which is, you know, rapid eye movement to non-rapid eye movement. It's the same pattern. If you really look at and think about this, these kinds of patterns happen all the time in nature. They happen in our bodies. They happen the way that day goes to night and night goes to day and back again. And so if we just take a little bit of time to be aware of those spaces in between 
it's not just about the doing, it's about that touching in, connecting out into the world. And so I think when we do something like swiping on our phones, there's nothing wrong with that. It's wonderful, it's great in and, and certain circumstances, but to my mind, we're touching the outside world. We're not really touching the inside world. And so again, there, I mean, I think that there are forms of meditation, most forms of meditation maybe, um, that, uh, that allow you to be in that internal state. But the difference I think between that and hypnosis is, is that hypnosis allows for a different kind of flexibility because you're touching into that internal state, but then you're also moving out with the, the words, with the imagery, with some of those things. So you're, you're kind of actually straddling both, both ways of being. So has, um, has technology then uh, affected our sleep? Like, is it getting worse? Because you talk about the patterns of life. And as you were saying that, I'm like, oh my goodness, I had, I really have never thought about that where we do have patterns of life. There's, there is patterns in our brains. Like they, they like pattern. Yeah. They like consistency and pattern. And so are we disrupting our sleep more than we know it even with technology then? Is that something that is happening? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think there's been actually a lot of uh, research on the blue light right. that's emitted from the devices. And I, I think, I, look, it has its place. I mean, I'm sure. on social media and, but, but we I'm, are. I'm, and it's yeah. the way life has been going, but how do we, um, like what you were saying, and I was at, thinking about your hypnosis is as uh, opposed to meditation. And you say it's very different, um, very similar idea, but it's different. And you also have said that hypnosis, we all probably do it every day and we don't realize it. So I thought that was really interesting where if you are driving and you were deep in thought and then you realize, oh my goodness, how did I get from point A to point B? I don't even remember driving. That's sort of a hypnosis state, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, years ago when I, I was asked to, to um, the, be the vice president of programs for the Southern California Society for Clinical Hypnosis. And um, I was asked to teach some, some classes on hypnotic phenomenon. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not sure what you guys mean. <laughs> like, what, do you, what do you want me to teach? Like, oh, you, <laughs> what are you know? looking for here? <laughs> and they were like, oh, you know. And I was like, I, I, hope, I hope I know what you want me to teach. And they're like, oh, you know. And I was like, well, Okay. Oh, <laughs> so I just taught what made sense to me. And later they were like, well, that was interesting. We've never seen it taught like that. But later when I was like, okay, well, maybe now you guys can tell me what you want me to teach and I'll teach that. But actually I, I was like, well, actually I'm teaching both. I'm teaching all of it. I'm teaching it your way and my way at the same time. But what I, what, what I, what I was teaching was um, what I think are the hypnotic phenomenon, what I know are the hypnotic phenomenon that, that I look for or that I talk to people about. Like when I'm working with someone and they say, what, what is hypnosis? Um, I, I can say, yes, it's, it's a way of focusing attention in certain ways that allow peripheral awareness, like background awareness to kind of fade. And then you get almost hyper-focused. So can everybody be hypnotized? I would say the vast majority of people can be hypnotized. I, I, um, I think it's a matter of figuring out the, the way that people naturally experience hypnotic phenomenon and, and working with that. I think that's the job of the hypnotherapist. Right. And like I was saying, in teaching people self-hypnosis at home, online, that was a challenge for me. Well, how can I teach people who are just people in the public who don't know anything about this? How can right. I teach them that? And I thought, well, the way it, it, it people are intelligent, explain yeah. it to them in a way that makes sense to them. That's why I have the videos and the eBooks and then give them a sort of different recordings because different people have different preferences and they're going to want different lengths and they're going to want different, like different, different imagery. And there's going to be different issues they want to address. And people like, sometimes people want to listen to the same one all the time or learn the same one all the time. And sometimes people want something different, but really 
I have to work with what's naturally occurring in sleep and, and utilize that. And it's the same with hypnosis. So that's all a long way of saying that what is hypnotic phenomenon? Well, when we focus on something really deeply, like, you know, we're lost in our thoughts and we're driving on the freeway and suddenly, you know, we're home and we don't even remember making those terms, those turns because we were, we were moving automatically. That's a hypnotic state. Why? Because it's automasticity. Things happen automatically when you're hyper-focused. Right. You go into this kind of automatic pilot state. That's a hypnotic state. When we become really absorbed in something, you can be so absorbed in a conversation with somebody in a restaurant that you don't even notice the background sounds and other people's conversations. If yeah. you might have noticed it was a noisy place when you first went into the restaurant, then you stop noticing that because you're so absorbed in the conversation. Yeah. And time seems to just pass in like, you know, an, an hour can be a minute or I sometimes. I love those conversations. Amazing. So are you saying that that is a restful state? I mean, is that if you have a deep conversation with a friend where everything else fades in the background, is that restful enough? Is that? Um... I mean, it certainly is beneficial. I mean, that, that does a lot of different things, having a, that kind of conversation with a friend, because you're really connecting. There's a real yeah. sense of that safety in that. And you feel, I mean, we all feel better when we do that, right? When yes, we have this, absolutely. and it's not, it's not the same as just like having a logistical conversation about where you're going to meet and Right. You know, when you go into those states where you're really focused and you have that connection, it's just such that. a wonderful thing. Yeah. Think about that for a second. And, you know, I think about the friends that I have that with or yeah. the times that I've had that you feel so good and you don't really know why, but you do feel really good. And it is because you're connected and you have um, you've um, almost been in a hip, hypnotic state where everything else fades away. It's, that's really interesting to me. Yeah, and I think what I really want to impart to the listeners is just that it's a natural thing. It's not this out there thing that's unattainable to you. Right, almost that's everybody, what I'm hearing. Yeah, almost like everybody that. has this experience. Some people have it connecting with a friend. Some people have it, you know, watching a sporting event or, or doing, yeah. a, a, you know, exercising. These things happen. Yeah. And it's just a matter, I think, of finding little pockets that are restful where you can be and connect with yourself. So even if even if some of the listeners are like, well, I'm not going to take the time to sit down, but I'm, you know, I'm going to start. Maybe I'll think about this. Well, when you're working out, if you're really super active and you're working out, really take a little bit of time to notice the pleasant sensations of that. I mean, that actually starts to bring in some somatic that somatic piece, right? Or body piece where you start to really focus on that. But just if people can just observe these movements of the breath and, and some people, by the way, who have anxiety, like a lot of times when people have anxiety and I'm doing, and I'm teaching them self-hypnosis for anxiety, I actually don't focus on the breath per se. So actually even in the sleep sets, I don't focus so much on the breath because I find that some people, when they practice breathing, if they have, if they tend to be anxious, they, they actually get a little bit more anxious. Some people find it really relaxing and some people don't. Yeah. I, I don't like to focus too much on the breath. I find that when I focus on it, it actually speeds up. So what I focus on then, this is, this is my little trick to, to focus on the breath without focusing on the breath, is okay. I might focus on the inhale and the exhale. Okay. I find that that's a little bit more... Um, of a body awareness and it's, it, yes. it, it gets people out of their heads. So like people can put a, you know, people can put a hand on their belly, for example, mm -hmm. and just notice the movement of the belly or notice the movement of the hand. Mm -hmm. And that's a way to kind of start to, to, to um, connect with what we're talking about without getting so like, Oh my gosh, my breathing is so fast. Oh, my breathing is shallow. I think sometimes that can kind of add, agitate people. It gives, it, I have actually sat to do meditation before and my brain is very active and I know I need to meditate and I try and try so hard to not have any thought at all. 
that it actually, it, it gives me a lot of anxiety Yeah, Not often, but every once in a while when I really have a lot going on and I try to just, I know I need to relax. It gives me a lot of anxiety. So yeah, okay. I can see that. That's a good, well, point. I want to tell you something that I think is going to, is going to vindicate you. Yay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So <laughs> it has been said in, in, um, by some of the, the Zen masters, meditators, that if, if you can clear your mind for 12 seconds, if a person can clear their mind for 12 seconds without an interrupting thought, they are enlightened. It is that difficult to do. There are people who spend their entire lives meditating, practicing these techniques, and it's that hard to do. The monkey mind is super busy. I'm not saying don't practice meditation, but what I'm saying to you is if, if you go to meditate and try to quiet your mind and you can't quiet your mind, welcome to the club. Yes, I know because people, everybody's like, oh my gosh, I tried it, you know, a few times and it's, I can't do it. Um, so that's so interesting. 12 seconds. Wow. 12 seconds. Yeah, I, I did. I've meditated or I learned, I actually learned transcendental meditation when I was like five. I mean, I was exposed to this stuff in meditation wow. very early. <laughs> and yeah, and I did, I actually, I don't know, maybe five years ago, I did a year long course on concentration. We would have different things that we we're supposed to concentrate on. It was sometimes sounds or visual things or, um, you know, uh, sensation or something like that. And we were supposed to practice concentration every day. I did this, these meditations. And then we were supposed to, you know, we had little um, beads and we we're supposed to count how many times there was an interruption of the monkey mind, like even a little interruption, a little thought. And it was really eye-opening. And that, and this is actually where I read this thing that said, like, just do the practice. You don't have to worry about those interruptions. That's just part of it. And sometimes when you start to concentrate on trying to meditate, those thoughts become even more busy. Yeah. And it's like, you just find the way to sort of focus on these things that are a peaceful state and let yourself be, you, you know, it's really, a, it's, you're doing it for yourself. You're really That's doing right. it to be able to be present with yourself. Well, I'm excited about your, um, the self-hypnosis, because I, I know there's one, one part of your, um, I don't know, your practice where you say, and I love this phrase where you say right now, if, if someone was to say to themselves right now, I am exactly where I need to be doing exactly what I need to be doing. And that, that statement is so releasing and so relaxing to me. I actually write it in yes. my journal every single day is that I am I'm grateful to know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and everything is always working out for me because that statement is so true, but it also so true. releases me from all of my tendencies to be, because I'm kind of ambitious. I'm like, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. I should have mm -hmm. done this. And it just takes all of that away and just makes it where I'm like, okay, I am, everything I'm doing right now is what I'm supposed to be doing and things will happen as they are supposed to. I love that yes. phrase that you said. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I, I use that really commonly in hypnotic inductions, actually. I have to give you the sleep set um, so that you can try it out. But I, 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 I say, yeah, I say that in almost, in, in most of the um, hypnotic inductions that I do or that I teach people to do. And what I usually say is at this time, there's nothing to accomplish. And in this moment, nothing to prove, nothing to worry about, and nothing to fear. For now, you are exactly where you need to be, doing exactly what you need to do. And yeah. you're free just to be. And there is something about that. That was actually a phrase from um, my professor, um, Ian Wickramasekra, who, who is the person who trained me in hypnosis. And he used to say that and I loved it. And so I, that's like my little homage to him. I, I love it too. I mean, I, I've, I've, when I found that I was like, okay, this, this interview was supposed to be because that's one of my favorite statements. 
Yeah. It's just, um, I don't know. It's so comforting. And if people really just sit down and think about that, it it's true because, um, we, when we, the statement that when you are present, you're, you're happy when you're anxious, Mm -hmm. worrying about the future, you're thinking about or living in the future. And when you're depressed or sad, you're living in the past. So that's just, I think about that a lot to where, what am I thinking about that is maybe making me anxious? And it's like, well, okay, I'm supposed to be doing this and I'm not, you know, but if I just live present, present, then, um, that's exactly where I'm supposed to be, which I love that. And I can't wait to, to check out your, I haven't, um, done that yet, but I cannot wait to check out your video. I'm going to go do that as soon as we're done here. Yeah. Okay. So those that are struggling with anxiety, cause I know you do a lot with people that, um, about anxiety, what would be one thing they could do like immediately that could ease that something that they could, could do today? Um, well, I have two thoughts on that. First of all, of course, you know, I'm going to say self-hypnosis, yes, self-hypnosis. Cause I really think that is, so empowering. I think it, it sort of spills over into other areas of life. And I actually think that um, anxiety is like a really unpleasant hypnotic state. It has some of the same characteristics okay. as some of the really beautiful um, ways I was speaking about hypnosis earlier, right? There's, it's becoming really absorbed in a sensation or a thought or thought yeah. pattern. And everything else seems to fade away and it feels involuntary and it feels like it's happening automatically. It's like this real, it's like, it's feeling out of control of that. So when we gain mastery of that by doing things, by learning things like self-hypnosis, which is, again, it's pretty easy to learn. Then I think that that can help people to gain mastery of that. So that's one thing. Also, you know, I, on, um, on, on Instagram and YouTube, I do a, um, every week I do a Tuesday sleep tip, which is like a one to four minute video with little sleep tips and things that people can do. I've been doing this series recently um, where I've been talking about anxiety and sleep and spinning thoughts and how to stop spinning thoughts. If people go to my IGTV or go to my YouTube, they'll see there's a whole series of, it's called like how to stop spinning thoughts. Oh, I, I can't wait to go to that. I yeah. realize you had that. I'll, I'll look at that. So yeah, well, what, well, the key of what I'm saying, what I was saying in, in these videos, and I give a, a bunch of different ways to apply it is, is that when people have anxiety, that energy is up in the head, the breathing gets more shallow, yes. the mind starts spinning. We start, our muscles start tensing. So it occurred to me a long time ago that if you start to move the energy in the body and the focus in the body down okay. to the extremities or to particularly like to the feet, to the belly, to the feet, it starts to bring some of that heat and activation in the mind and in the chest down. And wow. so I would say to people two things. One, really look into and, and, and consider learning self-hypnosis because it's something that you can do regularly and then apply in your life. And it will, I think, overall bring your anxiety down. I really think so. That's what I've seen. And it's, it's, um, I think it's really valuable and it's great to have something that you can do on your own, but also keep in mind that bringing your energy down physically in your body, focusing on your feet, focusing on your legs, rub your, rub your legs, Feel your feet, move your feet, notice the left foot and the right foot, focus on your belly. Do some of the things we were talking about before where you, as you inhale, you put the hand on the belly and notice that the hand moving. Notice that little pause inside in the belly. And then just as you release and exhale, you're releasing some of the tension and then taking in what you need again. It's a new breath, it's a new moment. So I hope that that's sort of a helpful little. No, it does. I think what you're saying is get out of your own head, you know, yeah. get, get that energy out of your head into yeah. your body. And, you know, there's lots of different ways to do that. I, I have not tried self-hypnosis, but I will. And as soon as I do, I'll let, I'll let people know and let you know how that works. But um, I do feel like what you're saying is get that energy. And I love that. Like you could do that through a walk in nature. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And and then there's a, there's another, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about short breaths in and one deep breath out. 
So mm-hmm. that, that again, is just focusing on the breath and getting that energy into the rest of your body too. And that helps with anxiety as well. So that's yeah. I, what you're saying is, is fabulous. And uh, so many people have so much anxiety that they are dealing with. And, um, and I think some of that comes from not getting sleep, which you love to talk about too, you know, For sure. that there are three major reasons people don't get enough sleep, right? You have, you, is it? Yes. I mean, well, I think, I, I think that there, there are a lot of different reasons. Um, but I think that as far as some of the things that people do that cause problems with sleep and, you know, like drinking caffeine or sugar really late in the day, or, you know, hitting the snooze button. And then there's some other things. I actually go over um, a bunch of those in that free ebook and video that I was talking about. And, and so I'd really suggest to the listeners that they download that because yeah, it's let's a complimentary let's thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it really talks about some of those things. And it also really talks about some of the best times of day to rest and how you can kind of get the most out of it, how you don't really have to take a lot of time and talks a little bit about self-hypnosis and it talks a little bit more about these things that we've been talking about, but in more depth and then people can take their time to, and, and I tried to make it like a really beautiful ebook too. So it's super I love easy. that. Well, I can't, I'm going to go I'll absolutely go and we will put it in the show notes. So everybody will have an easy um, link to Great. it. Yay. Um, so yeah, so we'll, we'll look, we'll take a look at that. Um, now, so then, and we won't go forever because uh, I always say this, but I feel like I get so intrigued with talking to, I'm, I'm so interested. I could talk to you for all day, but so fun. the Europeans uh, take naps in the afternoon. And, and it, yeah. to me, I wonder, we think backwards about it. We're like, if we go, 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 and we just are so dead tired at night, then we will sleep well. Um but what you're saying and what I'm hearing, and even, you know, Dr. Bruce, the one of the a sleep doctor that I interviewed, mm-hmm. he said, if you're so tired that you're, you go to sleep within a minute or like whatever, you're too tired. You know, you mm-hmm. haven't rested. So I think you're saying the exact same thing is rest and then you'll sleep better. You know, exactly. That's incredible exactly. to me. Yeah. It's such, it's so, in a way, it's so obvious. Yeah, it's it so is. Like, it oh, is really. <laughs> wait, is it really? I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to simplify it and say to people who are struggling, like, oh, it's just that simple because it's not always so simple to rest. But I will say for me, I had at at my worst, when I was uh, 26 and I started doing self-hypnosis or 25, I had four to seven hours every single night of insomnia, four to seven hours. And I woke up every 45 minutes to an hour and then had trouble going back to sleep. And I woke up completely fatigued, was exhausted all the time. I was working part-time and I was in graduate school full-time. Mm. And I was, I mean, I, and I had all kinds of health issues, chronic pain, chronic infections, like severe. It was, you know, I had digestive issues. I had all kinds of health issues. And I really, and I, and I tried all kinds of meditation. I just, I was trying to do yoga to the degree that I could tolerate it but I, I couldn't kind of get to the other side of it. And so I think that understanding the concept of the, that it's a, it's a particular type of quality of rest. Yes. Okay. That allows us then to sleep better. But, but I remember thinking like, well, my body knows something. I, I have tried everything I can think of. I have asked the best possible people. I have the best doctors. I come from a family of doctors. Right. And I was like, I, I am still, no, not getting well. I'm get, something's getting better. Something else gets worse. So I'm not, my head is not going to solve this. Mm-hmm. My body wants to survive. That's what a, a, a living organism is designed to do. It's right. to survive. So if it's, if it's creating a problem, then maybe I need to listen to what my body is telling me. Maybe I need to attune to it because trying to tell it what to do isn't really working out that well for me. Right. It knows. So, and it, it knows. And, and if, if I'm tired and I'm not able to sleep, I'm tired, but I need to rest. Yes. If I'm tired all the time. I, my, my system is telling me I need to rest. And so for me, that's the reason why for whatever, since 1996, every single day, 
I do my self-hypnosis. Every single day, I prioritize that, whether it's for five, seven minutes or whether it's for 45 minutes, and it varies from day to day, I prioritize that because I know that in order to function and be a happy person and recover when I do have challenges, everybody has challenges, everybody gets sick sometimes, but in order to really recover in the best way, I need to, to honor that. I need to say to my body like uh, every day, okay, you're the boss. I you love know? that. Yeah. So, so you have, you've seen that change, like in your fibromyalgia, I, all of that, like you're so, oh, yeah. I mean, that would, that actually happened really quickly for me. The, I mean, I went from having, um, you know, very severe bronchial and sinus infections that would become pneumonia if I wasn't on antibiotics at 10 months of the year. Wow. I mean, it was like a decade where I was getting worse and worse and worse. And then I started doing self-hypnosis. I went from being on antibiotics for 10 months of the year to 21 days the year following hypnosis. That was the least it had been in a decade. And the fibromyalgia, I mean, I couldn't walk more than two blocks to the corner store and back without being down for the count. I mean, it was days before I, I could do that every few days, like two, two or three blocks. I mean, I really was, I was not well, but you know, I, I easily walk miles. I mean, I don't have, I mean, I'm not saying I have no chronic pain at all, but it doesn't, for the most part, doesn't bother me. So, Not I mean, I think, yeah. And I think that this is something that, again, it's really, I hope that this inspires people to feel like there is hope. I, I, I think it does. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to just find something and, and, and it's not going to work for it's not, everybody's even going to be open to it. Not everybody's right. even going to try it, but if one person does and it changes their life, I love yeah. You know, oh, yeah. that's, that's all I always try to do is try to get all the information because this is going to, this works. And yeah. you know, I believe that your body is designed to be healthy and fix itself. That's why when you yeah. get a cut, it heals itself, right? Your body is designed to heal itself. And right. what you're saying is give it a chance, right? Yeah. I'm saying, listen to it and it's language rather yes. than trying to get your body to listen to your language. And that's why things- and we, our language comes from what, like we are listening to doctors who, um, not that, not, I'm not saying anything against doctors, but I'm just saying doctors that will say, well, you need to take this medication or this medication. And I think if in some instances it, you try to try to fix it yourself first, you know, I don't know if I think that's the best, the best medicine helps support the body in fixing itself. That's right. That is exactly right. I love yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's beautifully put. Yeah. The best medicine helps your body support it to fix itself. Yeah. Yeah. That. So I, I hope that if, if any of these tips, you know, or ideas help the listeners, I hope that they, um, in the, they give us comments or that yes. they, you know, tag me or email me or, you know, let us know. Cause I, I would, I love the feedback and, and I'm, yeah. and I'm always, I always I actually read those comments and I, I love to hear from people how they, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, where do we find you online? Let's, let's get all of that because I'll put it all in the show notes. Um, okay. Where, how, okay. Instagram. What is your Instagram? So, so my Instagram, uh, which is also the same as like my Twitter is just, um, uh, Dr. Diane HJ. And so it's D-R-D-Y-A-N-H-J. And then um, YouTube, people can just go find me on YouTube if they want um, through by my name, uh, Dr. Diane Haspel Johnson. And, uh, and if they forget all that, they can just go to my website where I have all of those um, icons, the social icons there at the bottom. And I have, once this podcast is live, I'll post this podcast on my website and I have a blog, I have a newsletter and stuff like that. And that's just drdiane.com. So it's D-R-D-Y-A-N.com. There's tons of resources on that. There's all kinds of stuff about hypnosis and there's a, spa a special page, which is actually kind of one of my favorite pages called the truths about hypnosis, where I actually dispel like seven myths about yeah. hypnosis. And, and, and then for the free um, ebook and video, which I really recommend people get because it's complimentary is they can just, they can get it through my website or they can go to www.selfhypnosisforhealing.com. 
All right. I love that. Okay. That's great. Yeah. It's, it, you know, definitely it sounds like something that if nothing else, everyone should go and take a look at it and see if they're interested in trying it for themselves and at least give it a shot. I'm going yeah. So <laughs> I'm excited to try it. Yes. yes. And I will absolutely let you know how it goes. Um, it has been so much fun. So interesting. Um, I've had probably 10 million questions that are going to come up later. So <laughs> I'll be hitting you up again. I'm sure. All right. We'll do it again. We'll do yeah, it. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Well, I hope you go. I hope you have a wonderful day. You're in Austin. I hope the power stays on. <laughs> you too. I hope you're 90 pound see. tortoise, which you told me you have, which is fascinating to me, <laughs> is gets his ranch soon. When do you get your ranch? When? Um, I think uh, next month. Yeah. We're moving. Okay. We're, I went. From uh, from being a downtown Chicago girl to um, an LA girl, and I've lived all over. I've actually lived in London too, and Portland, and whatever. But now we're going deep in the country. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is really quite interesting to me. So I love yeah, that. We're and gonna rest. Yes, rest. Yes, you're finding your your peace yes. in in Austin, Texas. Great. Yes. All right, Dr. Diane. This has been so much fun, and I'm sure we will connect again. Yes, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Heidi. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends because we're just going to keep going bigger and better places together, and I love that about us. Talk to you in a few days.